Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 14, entitled, For Those Who Don't Believe in Christmas. Twice in the Gospels, Jesus is said to have marveled. What is it that could possibly make the omniscient Son of God go wow? Both had to do with faith. Once, he marveled at a Gentile's great faith. The other time, he marveled at the people's lack of faith in his own hometown. Christmas is a time when faith ought to thrive. Unbelief misses so much of what God has in store. Here's Pastor Tim. So that leads me to number two. I want you to see that unbelieving eyes can't see God's sign. Unbelieving eyes cannot see God's sign any more than unbelieving ears can hear God's summon. Aren't you glad when God acts of his own accord? When God takes the initiative? Aren't you glad that God doesn't wait for you to get your act together before he decides to act? He doesn't wait on Assyria to come in and destroy the nation of Judah. And say, well, there you go, that's what you wanted, that's what you asked for. Instead, God gives both to Ahaz and to the nation of Judah what he knows that they need. I want you to notice these things with me. I want you, first of all, to see the introduction of the sign. See, he's asking Ahaz, Ahaz, you asked me for a sign. And Ahaz said, no, God's going to give him a sign anyway. He says, I've given you my promise that I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to give you a sign. Now you ask me, what's the sign supposed to be? And he says, no, I'm not going to ask you what the sign. I'm not going to require of you what the sign would be. So God says, then I take the initiative. I'm still going to give you a sign. And look at how God introduces it. Look, if you will, in verse number 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. God's going to do this. Not Ahaz, not an angel, not a preacher, not a prophet, not the people, not an enemy. God himself is going to set the sign. You know what's great about that? (laughs) I mean, Isaiah and Ahaz could not have even come up with something in their own imagination that would have been as big as what God wants to do. God's about to show them a sign that cannot be missed. Something that is bigger than anything the world has ever seen to that point or since. God is about to do something. Remember, remember Hezekiah, how God turned the sun backwards? How he took that natural physical laws, and God turned it. Now God's about to take this biological law, and he's about to turn that. He's going to overcome it. He's not going to leave any doubt for Ahaz or for anybody else what this sign is. By the way, remember a moment ago when we were in verse number 11, I said to you that the you and the yourself was singular? That was just for Ahaz. You know, I mean, it could have been a secret between Ahaz and God. I'll show you this sign. That way you'll know that I'm going to do this. That's not what you find in verse number 14. 
Instead, you find the plural. If God were from the south, he'd say, I'm going to give this sign for y'all. <laughs> it's, it's for you all. It's for the entire house of David. It's for them. It's for you. It's for us today. It is a sign now for everybody. Not just a sign for Ahaz. This is a sign for everybody to see. For everybody to recognize. That's how God introduces it. Number two, I want you to see the ingredients of the sign. Look at what this, the, the specific elements that this promise contains. The first is visibility. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And he says, behold. Behold. This is a sign that can be seen, a visible sign, an observable sign. Uh, a, a, a real woman is going to have a real baby. And real people are going to be able to come and to see him. This is going to be something that is visible. The second ingredient or the second element is virginity. He says, behold, the virgin will conceive. The virgin will conceive. Now I know that there's a lot of people who make a big to-do about the fact, and, it is, and, they, and they're right when they say this, that the word for, that's translated virgin in our passage is the word for young woman, and not specifically the word for virgin. It's a, it's a word that would describe a young teenager. You know? So they say, well, she doesn't have to be a virgin. I'm going to tell you something. She has to be a virgin, you know? Let's think about, it. think about it with me in these terms. If it's just a young woman, if it's just a young teenage girl that's going to have a baby boy, how is that a sign? The last records of the CDC were in 2020. In 2020, in Georgia alone, there were over 6,500 births with moms who were teenagers. 6,500 teenage moms giving birth for the first time in our state. The gender ratio, I don't know why it works out, but nationwide it's 105 boys for every 100 girls. So that means in that year alone, 4,000... Teenage girls, young women, gave birth to a son 4,000 times in a year. What's the sign? Who, who am I supposed to really be looking for? You're going to have to narrow that one down for me, God, if that's, the, if that's the point. It's not the point, is it? Not when you see a teenage girl who gives birth to a son, but when you see a virgin... Who gives birth to a son? Then you take notice. By the way, CDC doesn't have a category for this, but do you know how many virgin-born sons there were in Georgia in 2020? <laughs> zero! It was zero before God said this. It was zero after it happened. Only one has ever been the virgin-born Son of God. 
It's important, isn't it? It's the sign. When you see, when you see, it's visible. A virgin give birth to a boy. You'll know that I have done this. There's a third ingredient, though, that I want you to see. A third, uh, a third element, and it's and it's it's value. What's the most valuable part of this promise in verse number 14? I mean, as, as prevalent as the presence of a virgin girl mom is, she doesn't take the primary position in this verse. The, the primary position or the value is in the word son. You see it there? This time it's a capital letter, capital S. How do you know that he is the most valuable part of this passage? Well, look back at those words. There's not any further description on the word behold. No, it just behold, it's just there by itself. There's not any further description on the word virgin. There's not any further description on the word conceive. There's not any further description on the word bear. All of those are so important to this sign. But when he gets to the word son, and he highlights it with that capital S, now there's a description. And his name should be called Emmanuel. That's, that's the value. The value is in him. The value is in Emmanuel. The value is in Messiah. Which leads me then quickly to this third part of this I want you to see in the sign. I wanted you to see the introduction for sure. I want you to see the ingredients. But I want you to see the importance of this sign. And the importance is found in that, in that final word, that last name, Emmanuel. It's a compound word. The word L at the end is the word for God. The word I'm or M. At the beginning of the word, it's simply the word for with. And then you've got that plural conjunction right there in between the two. Emmanuel means God with us. Ahaz, can you hear it? Ahaz, can you see it? Here's the sign of the promise. God will give Himself. He is the promise. He is the deliverer. He is the sign. He is Messiah. He is Emmanuel. He is the one who is to be worshipped. And He is the one who needs to be believed. It's all about Him. So much so that 750 years later, when this promise finally comes to pass, John's going to say, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of you, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The sign is the birth of Jesus. A sign that Ahaz himself will not live to see. 
What did God say to him at the end of verse number 9? If you will not believe, surely you will not be established. There are a number of things that we miss in our lifetime simply because we will not believe. We see the way the world works. We see the things that people do. We see the way that history moves. We think we have it all figured out. But until we see what God can do, what only God can do, that we haven't seen it at all. Unbelieving eyes just can't see it. Even if it's it's right there. Think about another sign of the birth of Christ with me. Think about those angels appearing to the shepherds in the field and telling them that Messiah has been born. He's been born right there in the city of David. You're going to find him wrapped up in swaddling cloths. You're going to know who he is. And he draws a direct line exactly to this passage today. Are they the only shepherds in the field? Probably not. If if it's true, and it is, by the way, (laughs) if it's true what Matthew said or what Luke says, that the glory of the Lord shone round about them so that it lit up those fields... Don't you think the people in the town could have seen that? Don't you think the people in the town could have heard the buzz? Only the shepherds go. The night that Jesus was born, another sign was given. A star appeared for the very first time. For the very first time. Way 400 miles away in Persia. A group of astronomers had been watching the sky. Why? Because Daniel had been there. Daniel had been there and told them what to look for. He told them what the Old Testament said about the star out of Jacob. And when they saw that sign, they would know that the king of the Jews had been born. They watched. Did Persia have the only astronomers? China was well known for astronomy. The Babylonians were well known for astronomy. Groups in South America were well known for breakthroughs in astronomy. Did nobody else see this star? I suspect that they did. But only the wise men saddled up and rode to Jerusalem. The signs of Christmas are all around you. And we get so busy in all the stuff of Christmas that we miss the one thing. Unbelieving ears won't hear it. Unbelieving eyes won't see it. 
I'll tell you a third thing today. Unbelieving hearts won't follow God's Son. They just won't. We've already noticed who the most important person in this promise is. He is the virgin-born Son, Emmanuel. But what is this sign supposed to do? What is verse 14 supposed to do? It's supposed to point them toward Messiah. It's supposed to point the people of Judah that they will follow. It's supposed to point to Ahaz that he will believe and that he will follow. When Jesus comes, he tells those men, follow me. The Bible says some of, they drop their fishing nets, they leave their boats, and they follow him. What does he call for you to do today? To believe him and to follow him. A heart of unbelief is not going to do that. As you finish up your Christmas shopping, and you go into those stores, you're going to find signs Everywhere. (laughs) Toys here, deals there, customer service over there, checkout counter over here. You look for those signs and you follow those signs because you want what those signs have. God's given you a sign like no other. The virgin shall bear a son. And call his name Emmanuel. Follow him. Let's pray. I wonder if you can just take a moment out of even the busyness of your mind to consider Jesus, to consider who he is. To consider what he has done. To consider what he demands of you. What would you do with that today? If God were to say to you, ask me for a sign, ask me for anything. Some of you came up with some stuff, didn't you? Came up with something pretty good. You'd ask him. Then why won't you follow him? Do you really need a sign? He's already given you everything that you need. He demands that you trust him. Maybe you say something like this, Father, I trust you. I believe that you are the one true living God. And I don't put my faith in any other. I choose to follow you today. Today and every day hereafter. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. You are the one whom I will serve. This year, at Brit Dayton, we would like to challenge you 
to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.